Chapter 27 of Fairy Fingers by Anna Cora Mowat Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 27 Count Tristan's Policy. When Count Tristan was ushered into Madeleine's presence, he was received not perhaps with warmth but with marked courtesy nothing in her greeting betrayed that his past conduct was remembered and yet nothing in her manner indicated that their relationship was unforgotten her demeanour was simply that which would have been natural and appropriate in receiving beneath her own roof one who was almost a stranger the count had been completely disconcerted by the unexpected meeting with his son his wily smoothness was too much ruffled for him to couch his first words in polite language he could not forbear saying i entertained the hope that my visit would be private it is very unfortunate that i encountered maurice it will give him cause to think that i am opposed to his grandmother's course he smoothed over this slip of the tongue by adding and certainly so i am i disapprove of her excessive rigour her conduct towards you does not meet with my full sanction it was the unintentional expression of madeleine's countenance perhaps which made count tristan remember that his own conduct had strongly resembled that of his mother but his auditor spoke no word she was too kind to utter her thoughts and too frank to say what she did not think the count went on i could not yield to my strong impulse yesterday and defend you it would not have done my mother would only have been exasperated i was forced to apparently agree with her the sacred title of mother which is never to be forgotten compelled me to yield to her in this respect a respect due alike to her years and to her position but now that we are alone i may tell you how pained how grieved i was at the occurrences of yesterday i no longer think of them replied madeleine as i said continued the count when you left us so mysteriously in brittany however troubled we might have been at your sudden step however anxious about your welfare it was useless to be indignant since we thought your course the right one and you were ever conscientiousness personified besides it should always be taken into consideration that come what might you were still our relation the ties of blood indissoluble i said to my mother it can never be forgotten that madeleine is your niece i would have had her forget it replied madeleine i preserved my incognita and kept at a distance from you all that you might not be wounded by my remembrance but be sure madeleine that i for one cannot forget our relationship nor cease to treat you as my niece madeleine could not but be touched by this unexpected declaration she answered gratefully it is more than i ask yet i thank you yes returned the count and to prove to you how far i am from looking down upon you how much i honour your position and how highly i esteem you 
how thoroughly I comprehend your character and the readiness with which you always serve others, I come here today to ask a favour at your hands. Is it possible? exclaimed Madeleine delightedly. You make me truly happy. Can I indeed serve you? You scarcely have spoken the words that have more power to gladden me. That is precisely what I imagined, answered the Count complacently. Now let me explain the matter. You have often heard me speak of the property left to Maurice by his uncle. It is now almost our sole possession. Its value depends upon the railroad which may or may not run through that portion of the country. A committee of nine persons has been selected to decide whether this road shall run to the right or left. If they choose the road to the right, the property of Maurice will not be benefited, and, and, and I cannot enter into particulars, but, but it is almost valueless. If they choose the left road, the value of the estate will be so much increased that it will yield us, that is, it will yield my son something very handsome. Of this committee, Mr. Hilson and Mr. Meredith will vote for the left road, and, through the influence of Madame de Fleury, for which I am much indebted to you, Monsieur de Fleury's banker, Mr. Gobert, will also vote for the left. That secures us three votes. How glad I am that I was able to accomplish something to serve you, said Madeleine. There is much more, I trust, that you will be able to accomplish. The votes of Mr. Gilmer and Mr. Rutledge must be gained. The only two which it seems impossible to obtain, for the other gentlemen are inflexible in their decision. Mrs. Gilmer is one of your customers. I hear that she raves about you. If that is the case, you can do anything with her, and she will manage her husband. Have you no mode of winning her over to our side? Madeleine pondered a moment, then answered gaily, Yes, I have at my command one method that is certain, perfectly certain. Mrs. Gilmer is very desirous of receiving an invitation to Madame de Fleury's ball. The Marchioness has left her out on purpose. Mrs. Gilmer has made numerous efforts, but thus far unsuccessful ones, to obtain this invitation. If I could secure it for her, she would gladly repay me by inducing her husband to vote as you desire. Bravo, bravo, we shall succeed, for you can surely obtain the invitation. Madame de Fleury herself said that she was enchanted at the opportunity of obliging you that she could not do too much to show her great consideration. Yes, but you can scarcely comprehend the difficulty of persuading her to consent to invite Mrs. Gilmer. She mortally detests her, and I could offer few petitions which she would be less likely to grant. Still, I will use strong arguments, powerful inducements. I will endeavor to think of some temptation which she cannot resist. That is just what I believed you would do, my dear Madeleine, said the Count, taking her hand. Madeleine withdrew it, though not too abruptly. The contact gave her, magnetically, as it were, a painful impression. But how, she asked, is Mr. Rutledge to be reached? Through you, through you again, my good, kind Madeleine. 
answered the Count hilariously. Through me? I do not know him except by name. He is a bachelor. Therefore there is no wife who can be induced to become a mediator. No, there is no wife, to be sure, but there is a lady love whom he hopes to make his wife, and she also is one of your patrons. It is the sister of Lord Linden. You might solicit her, or you might obtain her influence through his lordship. Through his lordship? That might not be possible, replied Madeleine decisively. Surely it might be, remarked the Count, since you are acquainted with him, and I have faith in your powers of persuasion. Madeleine looked very much astonished as she answered, What has made you imagine that I have any acquaintance with Lord Linden? I saw him upstairs in one of your salons, sitting in a comfortable armchair, as though he were very much at home reading a book. Madeleine looked confused. Lord Linden? Yes, you will therefore admit that it was quite natural for me to suppose that he had the entree here. I did not know he was in the house, returned Madeleine ingenuously. He has never been here before, to my knowledge. I was once thrown in contact with him in travelling from New York to Washington. The cars met with an accident, and he broke his arm, and I, being unhurt, was of some little assistance, but I have never seen him since. Then it is a most fortunate chance, resumed Count Tristan, that brings him here. Through him you can influence his sister. Through her the vote of Mr. Rutledge will be secured. And, these two votes gained, the road to the left will be chosen, and for this I shall be wholly your debtor. Truly, Madeleine, you are the fairy Maurice used to call you in old times, for you have the power, the gift of working wonders, and you always had. Cousin Tristan, began Madeleine seriously, then paused. Do you allow me still to call you so? Yes, yes, undoubtedly, and especially when we are alone. Call me cousin, certainly, but what do you wish to say? You must find some other advocate as far as Mr. Rutledge is concerned. I fear I have not sufficient influence with the Lady Augusta Linden to make this request, or to induce her to grant it, or to prevent her thinking the petition itself an impertinence. That does not matter. You can manage the affair through Lord Linden, and the opportunity presents itself this very moment, since he is here under your own roof. I cannot see him. I particularly desire not to see him. There are reasons which must prevent my asking any favor at his hands. It is totally out of my power to do what you desire. But it is of the greatest importance, Madeleine. This opportunity must not be thrown away. What would Maurice think if he believed that you refused to serve him at such a critical moment? Maurice, if he knew all which I could tell him, would be the first to forbid my appealing to Lord Linden. I pray you, seek some other means of influencing Mr. Rutledge. He cannot be reached through me. I have no other, cried the Count with desperate energy. My sole dependence is upon you, and, Madeleine, this is not a mere question of gain. More than I dare confide to you depends upon the decision of that committee. Madeleine made no response. 
but her manner plainly manifested that she was not prepared to retract what she had said. Madeleine, continued the Count, with ill-disguised anger, and feeling that he had no alternative but to make a confession which humbled him to the dust. This property was held in trust by me. My difficulties, my embarrassments, have been overwhelming. They have brought me to the verge of absolute ruin. A man may be placed in positions where he is forced into actions from which he would otherwise shrink. This is my case. I have obtained from Maurice a power of attorney which he thinks I have never used, but, but, impelled by my troubles, and without his knowledge I have been induced. Women cannot understand business manners. It is a course that could not be avoided. I have been forced to compromise the interest of Maurice. I have been compelled to mortgage his estate so heavily that it is valueless unless this road augments its present worth. Do you not see what is at stake? Will you not exert yourself to save me, to save Maurice from the mortification of knowing that I committed an action which might be misconstrued, which might be condemned, might be considered? The Count paused, overcome with shame. Madeleine hesitated. For the sake of Maurice, she could endure to be misunderstood. She could submit to place herself in a position which humbled and compromised her. The Count saw that her resolution was shaken, and he did not lose his advantage. Remember that Maurice is beginning life. He has imbibed the sanguine spirit of the land in which he has lately lived. What a sudden and crushing blow to him will be the revelation that awaits him. Can you bear to contemplate its effect? I cannot. Answer, Madeleine. He has suffered much, much for your sake. Will you, will you make him suffer more? No, answered Madeleine firmly. Come what may, I will see Lord Linden and obtain his influence with his sister, if I can. There spoke the Madeleine of other days. Madeleine interrupted him. Spare me your praises. I do not deserve them. If Lord Linden is here, as you say, I will see him at once. That is right. You are prompt as ever. I will take my leave. It may not be well for him to see me here. Success to you, Madeleine. But you always command success. It is a condition of your existence. The Count withdrew, and Madeleine, with a sad countenance, only waited until the street door closed upon him to keep her promise and seek Lord Linden. End of chapter 27